Hello folks, welcome back to another episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley Vasquez. And I'm Emily Fear. And I am Mayday. Mayday! Yay! You know what that means? That means that's an Impact Wrestling Special Edition <laughs> of GNG. Yeah. Mayday, I gotta ask, do you ever feel like we've like tokenized you and put you firmly in this little like Impact pigeonhole? Like, do you, do you feel like we're like, you know... You know, stereotyping you, Mayday? No, I mean, that's that's what I watch. <laughs> I just, I don't, don't want to... Mayday is more than just impact, everybody. That's fair. But, yeah. but Mayday is my favorite knockout. So, it was Impact Rebellion, our second time on pay-per-view this year. Hard to Kill was pay-per-view and then uh, this, right? I think so. It's It depends on your definition of pay-per-view, because they do like the Impact Plus specials, too, which are free if you're a member of impact plus but if not then they are a pay-per-view and it's yeah yeah because they're this on one fight now flat right? out pay-per-view i don't think they used to be i think they were just on impact plus um yeah that's what i'm saying like this this one was even if you are an impact plus member it was still a pay-per-view but they also do like the half pay-per-views <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do the ones that are like they they definitely feel like almost like filler pay-per-views like we have a big show, but not quite enough of a big show. Yeah, and whenever they announce a match is happening on the Impact Plus event, I'm like, okay, so there's not going to be any title changes. They did it once. I and I think it was, at the time, I thought it was like, oh, just to prove that it can happen. Um, but then it turned out that their contracts were expiring, so that's why they did it. <laughs> <laughs> Only under extenuating circumstances, which was Pretty the theme much. of this show, because... Oh my god, yes. That that was all the hype. I mean, uh, yes, confession. The show was live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada at the Rebel Nightclub. Rebel? Rebellion? Get it? Ah. Uh, so uh, I was there live in person with my dad. It was general admission seating, but there was like, we were like eight rows back, so not too bad. But it's a nightclub, so... It's just folding chairs on the floor, which means you're all at the same level, which means like we got seven heads in front of us at yeah. eye level. So wow. for most of the show, I couldn't really see much below the second rope. <laughs> so anytime somebody went for a submission or a pin or if anything happened at ringside, I had no idea what was going on. And they didn't. <laughs> and it's a small enough venue that they, didn't, they had like a. I will say the production looked really nice. Like, the video wall and the halos above the ring looked super professional and, like, impressive. But they didn't have, like, uh, like a Tron stream that we could see. So it's not like if they were fighting at ringside, I could look up on the cameras to see what was going on. I just tried to look over the crowd as best I could. <laughs> so I'm wondering if that hurt my enjoyment of a couple of things. Like, Hardcore War, there's a lot of stuff at ringside, right? Yeah, they were, like, everywhere but the ring. So I'm interested to go back and watch this, um, or some of these matches, uh, after the fact, on 
on the live stream. I can't say I have any interest in going back and rewatching Santino Morella. But some of the other matches, for sure. Yeah, the big theme of the night was we are going to crown two new world champions guaranteed with Josh Alexander and Mickey James both getting injured and having to drop the titles. And that was a Which real is just terrible time. Terrible timing and real heartbreaker with like the show happening in Josh Alexander's hometown and Mickey James yeah. just winning the title at the last pay per view in this big heroic moment and then to immediately turn around and be like, Okay, well now what now what do we do? Yeah, there there was the air of like kind of having to like pick up and carry on um which is never never a really positive note to build your your pay-per-view around but also i think that they did the best with the situation that they were handed i really do yeah and they tried to like drag out mickey james as best they could like maybe she will be cleared we're really hoping she will be cleared maybe it'll be a three-way but in the end it was just like now she's not cleared so we're we're doing this yeah and you know what i mean they I just I gotta continue to give impact props for making that feel like a big loss. I just I I am still reveling in the fact that there's this like longstanding uh, women veteran that is being given the kind of prestige and import that is usually reserved only for male veterans in a promotion and making her loss like making her not being there, making her not being cleared, making her like having to, you know, step down from the title, like making that feel like a genuine, a a genuinely sad thing. And having the match to crown the new knockouts champion main event, not Mm -hmm. announcing that ahead of time, not uh, hyping it up. We didn't know until Steve Macklin's music hit for his match. That was the moment when I went, Oh shit, the women are main eventing here tonight. That's pretty cool. I was very surprised by that, to be honest. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that too. I was kind of curious as to to why. No, I mean, but that question is, asking that question is part of the problem, right? Asking that question is like, well, what did they do to justify being made a vet? But what a like, it's it's a knockout championship. It should be a big deal. I don't know. I just yeah, and we just didn't want to end the night with the bummer of Steve Macklin winning the title, right? You wanted to end with like a baby face standing tall. Yeah, which I guess sir. Is is Dion? I I missed a step here. Is Diana a babyface now? Um, no. I thought yeah. she turned a couple weeks ago. She's kind of a tweener at this point. Like okay. she's definitely not heel anymore, but I wouldn't call her babyface yet. Yeah, I I mean there there was all it was all face in this match in this match. Yeah, I would say I think by the end, especially like the post match stuff, I think that kind of cemented her face turn. Mhm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. She came in still very, like, you know, cocky, virtuoso, look at me, I'm awesome, like, very heel entrance. Yes, but also she is awesome, so... Well, well that's it. true, yeah, but... <laughs> line between confidence and arrogance. Yeah, for real. Um, and I, what I like so much about the virtuosa persona is that, like, um, it's never not kind of arrogant, even though it's all well-justified, and I think Dionne blocks that line really, really well. Yeah, she does. I'd argue she walks it better than Charlotte because whenever Charlotte's a baby face, she does a similar thing of like talking about how I'm the queen and I'm the greatest and da da da. And it always comes across as insufferable to me, even when she's supposed to be the face. Exactly. Charlotte does not work as a face. She just doesn't. But Diana can, can kind of flip back and forth as needed without yeah. really altering her character. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's kind of the, the, the key to it she remains consistent and believable mm-hmm. 
All right, well, let's break from tradition and of going in order down the card. Let's just start with the main event because that was because we're already talking about it. Okay. John Frazo, Jordan Grace to crown a new knockouts champion. On the one hand, I'm like, why do we need to crown a new champion so quickly? Like, why why can't we, you know, spread this out longer and make it more of like a chase to crown a new champion? Do a little tournament or do a four way elimination match or something like that. But on the other hand, I do appreciate that they simply said, like, well, Deanna won number one contenders match at the last pay-per-view to get here, and Jordan was the last champion before our last champion. So we're not going to do some sort of, like, four-person, six-person scramble and insert Giselle Shaw or Savannah Evans or people who, like, maybe, quote-unquote, aren't worthy of being champion. We're going to go with, like, two women who have both held the championship twice in the past and who have both earned the way in this match. And I think that does make the title feel more prestigious too, that we're not just letting anybody in to challenge for this thing. We're going with arguably the two most decorated women on the active roster. Yeah. And the ones who have um, some of the like, longest and, um, and most recent, like good storytelling between the two of them, because we had those series of matches back in what, like 2020, 2021. So we know that these women have chemistry. We know that they have a history. We know that we've seen them like fight viciously for the title in the past. It It's all justifiable. Would it be more exciting to me to like have a tournament? Like you said, I, I do think so. I think it would be really fun to kind of mix things up, uh, build up some of the talent that's on the roster that like the very, very thick women's impact, the knockouts roster right now. But uh, as far as this being justifiable, it absolutely is. It holds. I was kind of going the other way. Like, if you are going to have a tournament and, you know, a, a eight-woman, 16-woman, whatever tournament, if the end game is Deona and Jordan anyway, mm-hmm. then then that, then you haven't built anybody up. Like, so. That's a really, really fair point, and I would hate to, like, do all of that momentum for anyone, bring all that momentum into any for any other wrestlers when inevitably we know it's going to show down between the two of them. So maybe this is kind of just like, okay, we're, we're setting, we're setting the stage here. We're giving, we're kind of going back to one of our like, you know, top contenders, our top, our top women from the last couple of years. And from there, there's freedom to play with it. So we get Jordan and Deanna one-on-one and in, in the main event, as we said, and, Honestly, that's it. It's like it's just hey, here's two good wrestlers in a good match. There's no, there's no ref bump. There's no outside interference. There's no Deanna going for a hook of the tights or getting an eye rake. There's it's just a straight match between two quality wrestlers in the main event. Very good wrestlers doing a wrestle. Yeah, it, it's kind of a rarity in any promotion, honestly. But I think after all the shenanigans of Hardcore War it made sense to kind of have a, a cleaner second half of this or second, you know, I think hardcore war happened before the, the men's championship. It did. So, okay. So it, it makes sense then to have like, to kind of keep things a little bit more straightforward and folk and wrestle focused after something like hardcore war, which is just all shenanigans all the time. Yeah. That's, that's fair. If they had started like doing ref bumps or weapons or anything, it would have just like, we would have been reminded of Hardcore War. Yeah, I mean... I, yeah, and I mean, about... we also had a casket match and Ultimate X on this show. So we already had, like, three gimmick matches. Yeah, so... It, it's refreshing to have fair. an event kind of 
kind of finish a show with just like, okay, so you're going to see two really good wrestlers who have a history of wrestling each other and, and have a known chemistry in the ring. I, I, mm-hmm. It's got to be said, like, Deanna and Jordan just really bring out great aspects of their wrestling with each other. Their styles complement each other perfectly. I love that um, Jordan brings out power elements to Deanna's wrestling. Like, we always talk about Deanna as a technical wrestler, and rightfully so. That's her, like, wheelhouse. Um, and it's always great to see a technical wrestler go up against someone super strong and known for being super strong. But I love the little moments of power that Deanna gets to showcase when it comes to wrestling Jordan. And conversely, like you were saying, Jordan's well known as like a powerhouse, you know, just raw power, super strong. She busted out a few technical moves like they kind of dipped into each other's playbook a little bit. Yeah, it's great. It's, it kind of shows their history of like, OK, well, I'm learning from you, bitch, and I'm going to take you down with your own tools. Yeah, yeah that's actually a really good point. Like, at least in kayfabe, they've been studying each other and like they know what to expect and how to counter it. Yeah, there's really nothing. Jordan, Jordan did not ever hit the muscle buster, I don't think. I don't think so. I was like actually she went, she went for it once or twice, and Deanna had a counter for it. Like she had it scouted, she knew it was coming. Yeah, and this match, I mean, power like power moments aside, like this match was a really fast moving match for these two women. Yeah. In the end, Deanna does pick up the clean win. It was Jordan went with to the power. The, yeah, Jordan went to the second rope. I think Deanna caught her with a running power bomb, and then followed with the gosh power driver for the pin. Yep. Like I said, with the power move instead of some kind of technical submission. Yeah, she didn't tap out. She didn't uh, catch her with an inside cradle or anything. So now we have what? We have, like, partnered champions, right? Yes. And there was a lot of, like, cat calls uh, to that effect from the live crowd, especially to to Macklin during the men's match. Stuff like, you're not even the best wrestler in your own house. Things like that. (laughs) This is absolutely accurate, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. He was... (laughs) He played second fiddle to Jackson Riker for years. Like, come on. I, I feel bad, but I, I continue to say that. Or, like, you know, why is Macklin here? I'd like to keep Deanna happy. I mean, keep your, keep your, keep your, one of your aces happy. That's fine. Yeah. I kind of wonder, like, do you think this might have been a plan, a future plan for Cardona and, and Chelsea Green? It might have. I definitely think that the plan was always to do. Macklin and Deanna on this pay-per-view mm-hmm. like even if Josh Alexander and Mickey James had been healthy I still think the plan was going to be Macklin and Deanna Ugh. do you think it's gonna be really annoying in coming weeks oh god I hope so <laughs> god. you know so how did I, the pay-per-view I, end did it end with Deanna in the ring just like holding up the title okay that's what I figured it was all really really clean like it, it was all just so did it end differently at like was there more no, there's just this, the, the classic, like, um, thank, thanks everybody for coming. We'll be back in August for emergence. That kind of like, you know, the go home once the cameras were off. That was from, yeah. De- that was from Deanna. She got to take the mic and say that. She also made mention that um, this has been the, this was the fifth sold out impact show this year. Nice. Which, I mean, it, it helps in the running smaller venues. Obviously, it's easier to sell out a small venue than a big one. But it's also like knowing your worth and make, making it. You know, not instead of having empty seats, having like a small, like live, lively crowd that's like really hot and like really like packing the place, right? I mean, yeah. I say that um, Slammiversary back in uh, Dallas area back in uh, 2019. Um, that room isn't huge, but 
I, I had so much fun at that show. The crowd was on on it and in it like the whole whole time. Um, I would rather take you know a thousand people who are like there to watch the wrestling and to you know to enjoy the wrestling than you know four thousand who are mixed bag. Yeah, Impact. Their crowds are kind of by definition like they want to be there they are there for impact wrestling they're not just like oh there's local wrestling in town let's go see some people do some wrestle like they're specifically there for impact yeah a lot of them are there for like not just the show but like the tapings and stuff too yeah uh when mayday has done that gauntlet yeah it's like three days straight of just tapings yeah they're doing tv tapings tonight at the same venue actually for the next couple weeks i'm not i'm not going to that one but They'll usually do the pay-per-view and then the next couple of weeks worth of episode tapings just in that same venue over the next couple of days. Yeah, so do you want to just thank everybody for coming and sat and close by saying like the new age of the Virtuosa has arrived? Nice. And, and that was it. I thought there was a chance that they were going to have Steve come out and have the couple pose together with the photos uh, yeah. or to, to close the show and release that message. And maybe that happens at the first episode of TV this week maybe you get Would something not be to that surprised. but i really went into tonight last night's show th- thinking diana was a face i thought based on what like had happened on tv the past month or so and what and who she'd been wrestling on tv because didn't she tangle with giselle shaw or somebody like that yeah but like i said they were kind of a tweener like i think she was the sort of the baby face by default because she was wrestling giselle um but I mean, after this match and like the ending and like the handshake and the hugs and the posing and like, I'm pretty sure that's like cemented her baby face turn. So it's been a slow burn. So we'll see where they go from here. Yeah. I mean, they could always kind of wind it back a little bit, especially if they're going to do annoying couple stuff. Um, Because that never keeps people like, can you name a face couple in wrestling? Like K-Vape or otherwise? Johnny Candice. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, no, there you go. Right. But they're the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, and there's still yeah. a lot of people who think they're annoying. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> um, I guess I mean, it, it, it's hard because sometimes those people are also just so popular. Like, so you think about like Britt Baker and Adam Cole in, in AEW, like they're just very, very popular and over with the fans. But as a couple, I don't think they're necessarily portrayed as like you want to root for them, but. I'll say, I wonder if that's like why they kind of keep them apart in AEW. They're not like, look at this married couple. Aren't they great? They're a couple. Like, because that's the recipe to heel turn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, they acknowledge it. They, I mean, they'll make reference to it, but like on screen, they're not like always tag team partners. Yeah. They're not, you know. It's the same with the Jungle corner. Boy and Anna Shea, right? Yeah. Well, they have nothing to do with each other in Kayfabe. Yeah, absolutely. I had someone point out to me recently, you know, I have my thing for Jungle Sister. Um, and they're like, why aren't you saying that about Anna Jay? Because she's actually with Jungle Boy. And I'm like, because they're they're not, because she has nothing to do with him in kayfabe. Yeah. Like, it only gets passingly referenced occasionally at most. Yeah. Where's Jungle Sister? Well, no, that. <laughs> Hi, Jungle Sister. How's it going? So, yeah, if, if Deanna is face now going forward, I'm excited about that because it's something different, right? That'll really distinguish this run from her last two runs as world champ. We haven't seen baby, I haven't seen Babyface Deanna in what? Years and years and years? Years yeah. and years and years and years. Like going back to ROH maybe? 
Yeah, because she was based in ROH, right? Although it's really hard to say because who knows? But yeah, the, the, she was feuding with uh, Kelly Klein. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Karen Q. Yeah. Oh. She had like a little Ferrari logo on her gear. Mm-hmm. She had great matches with Karen Q. One of the first women's match I ever watched from ROH was a was a like a hardcore match between the two of them, and it was really really good. Yeah, so I'm excited for Babyface Diana, but if she is going in Babyface direction and they can't do any sort of like on-screen partnership with Macklin, that's not, not going to work. Uh, unless they figure out a way to make it not annoying, they could. So they, but he's like, he's really established as a heel right now. Like he fully like wipes like blew his nose with the Canadian flag during the match. That's true. I'm trying to think. Have they actually acknowledged them being married on camera? I don't think they have. I don't think they have. Maybe they're just not going. Hmm. Okay, Paris would be Yeah, and it and he didn't come out, and they didn't do like a belt posing together thing after <laughs> after the cameras went off. So they yeah, did on the social media. I saw a photo on social media of the two of them, but that's different. I'm sure, they are. Yeah, I'm sure they. But the more I think about it, I don't think they are married in kayfabe. They're just two wrestlers that happen to be on the roster. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been watching Impact off and on, but more regular than not in the last several months, and I only recently found out that they are married because yeah, I, I about it. Like they, they have nothing to do with each other's storylines. They don't they don't even do like cheeky little like wink wink references on commentary, like nothing. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well maybe the, all of this speculation is for not then. Because it really it doesn't seem to be painted like other like couples in wrestling. But it yeah. is interesting they won the belts at the same time. That's just that to me like there's a weird symmetry there. It's like you're not yeah. gonna play with that even though you did it at the same time, but you guys they might are... reference it. Maybe like in the opening handle Rich Swan and Sue Young being champs at the same time. Did they ever acknowledge it? They did, yeah. I'm thinking like they didn't. Like it never came up. Okay. I don't think it's been referenced to any yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. not every couple who holds titles has to be Johnny and Tyre. True. I mean, no, but I mean, there's fun. Uh, there is some fun, interesting tension that they could play with if they chose to, where like he is a jerk and a champion and she is face and, and a champion. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a couple be operating in different, uh, a couple in wrestling operating in different modes while being visibly and uh, kayfabe aligned as a couple. And think yeah. of real life. We all know a couple where one of them's a heel and one of them's a baby face. That's my, <laughs> that's my marriage. My my husband is uh, he will he will he would admit to this. He is a, he is the heel in our relationship. I don't know if I mean it's a lot to say that I'm a face, but like he is definitely the heel. <laughs> oh shit! Maybe. Wait, am I the heel? Oh no, guys! I gotta, <laughs> I gotta think about this. <laughs> yeah, and then the question is. Obviously, if Mickey can return, when she can return, etc., because Deanna just won Mickey's title, and Mickey's husband just confronted Macklin. Yeah. They can, they, they can just do a whole tournament. They can do, like, um, the G1 Climax, but for couples. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a GCW show that needs to happen, Russell Couples. You get these two, you get Alicia and Eddie, you get, who else is on the roster? I know there's more. I don't know. And then, well, you, can, and then you have kayfabe couples claiming that they're real so they can enter, like 
Rosemary and Crazy Steve are like, oh, no, yeah, we're totally dating. Like, you have to let us into this tournament. Maybe it's all tournaments of, or, like, real couples versus kayfabe couples. Uh, hmm. That's, like, an amazing race thing. Like, who's better, the, the real couples or the fake ones? Are there fake couples on Amazing Race? They did, like, one or two seasons, uh, like, blind date themed. Where, like, two singles Ooh. met at the starting line and uh, had to race together and learn to, like, get to know each other at the same time. That sounds awful. Some of them some of them didn't work. None of them ended in romance, but a bunch of them ended in friendships. They should have a season where, like, you have to work with your enemy. You're, you're nothing but exes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why haven't they done how, that? How oh. badly do you want that million dollars? <laughs> Because people would die. <laughs> he cheated on me, but it's a million dollars, so I guess we'll try. There would be murder. That's like a that there would be a murder cover up because it was like, oh no, he got in an accident on Amazing Race, and oh no, but it's actually like she murdered him because he cheated on her in the past. Holy shit, that's a brilliant idea. All right, I'm wasting all these ideas. We had two other women's matches on the show on the pre-show. The knockouts take titles were on the line. The Coven, Taylor Wilde. And Kylan King defending against former champs Death Dolls, Rosemary and Jessica. The Coven pick up the win. They are now 2 0 as a team. This is only their second match as a team. Their first match was challenging for the titles and winning them. And then the second match as a team ever was defending them. Yeah, and this was like this pairing of Death Dolls with Rosemary and Jessica, this was only like the second time that they've tagged like together, together. Or they've only ever tagged as a threesome with Taya. Yeah. So this was their- <laughs> yeah so well and so can uh, Mayday can you uh, catch everyone up on the like what is going on with Taya in this storyline she is in some like she's been disappeared by the coven she's been hexed yeah she's in the undead realm which is a surprisingly recurring location in impact wrestling um, that's where they always stick Taya don't they <laughs> that, that's, that's where they tend to stick any female wrestler who leaves it happened to um what's her name madison rain um su young herself just left via the undead realm um but i forgot about su young okay continue sorry (laughs) i mean officially she's still in the undead realm but yeah she hasn't been on impact in a while she Uh, she'll be in the undead realm um known as pittsburgh in june so Um, well, this week yeah, on they, TV, they were looking for Taya. Yeah, but I say they kidnapped the Hex, not the Hex, um, that's a different team. The Coven like, kidnapped her, banished her, hexed her, whatever you want to say, to the Undead Realm. And so when they went to go rescue her via, you know, stepping in a coffin, as one does get to get the Undead Realm, um, it just didn't work. Like, the, it was just a regular coffin. So the Coven is somehow blocking rosemary's access to the undead realm which is by the way is where she's from that's her hometown so that's like the ongoing mystery is why can't they access the undead realm and how are they ever going to rescue taya i'm guessing they won't rescue taya but like the the fact that rosemary can't go home now is going to presumably be the the next storyline oh my god i love impact so much (laughs) (laughs) i love that you just recounted a wrestling storyline yes that's a very good point it's, it's one of the best i i know that that's that your mileage may vary when it comes to those stories and impact and a lot of reason you a lot of people use those stories as the reason they don't regularly tune into impact because they think it's too goofy but me i live for it 
because I like my wrestling to be equal parts healthy and junk food. I think what sells it is everyone, especially Rosemary's, just 100% commitment. Like, they are absolutely committed to this this storyline, this this persona, this kayfabe, this location. Like, they, like, 100% just own it. It's not tongue-in-cheek. It's not silly. Nobody feels particularly – no one comes across as feeling particularly embarrassed by having to do these storylines. Like, that's – it just – it's a completely authentic, as ridiculous as it is. Like, it's everyone's commitment to it that makes it seem not as – silly as it may could have been and it's so established i mean it, oh, it's, it's been going back years well yeah one of the things that keeps it from being silly is how grounded it is in its own rules like we understand that rosemary is from this place there are rules to it there's ways to get to it like there's there's mythology associated with it but it all is for wrestling especially is fairly consistently told and you get these performers you get these wrestlers who are who bring their own creative creativity to it and they imbue it with such like genuine, genuine reaction, genuine emotion. Um, I mean, I, I just think back to one of the biggest examples of this with, with Rosemary and with impact when, when Ali Kayfabe died and it's oh, just yeah. like, there's real emotion there. That was genuine. Mm-hmm. I mean, officially Ali is still dead. Yeah. She's, um, yeah. yeah she's the, dead. the bunny over in AEW is a multiversal variant. That's not our Ali. I mean, and I buy it because they sold it to me. Yeah. Um, her Rosemary's father, I don't think they ever actually say. Um, but I mean, it's very obviously the devil, Satan, whatever. But they always just keep saying your father, um, you know, the ruler of the undead realm, who we conveniently never see. Mm-hmm. Uh, father James Mitchell works for him. And he'll say things like, oh, you know, your father, my my boss, et cetera, et cetera. And there's like this weird little power struggle with the undead realm of like the right hand man vice the heir to the throne. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. So where, like with Tyre gone, where does Death Dolls go from here? But that but your comment reminded me. Maybe they when they finally get the door to the undead realm open, Sue Young comes out. Maybe I was thinking uh, that that depends on if they sign her or not. But my my thought was when they do finally get access back to the undead realm, that's how we get Havoc back because that's how Havoc disappeared, and that's how we got Jessica. Ah, that is okay. That makes- I definitely I definitely buy Rosemary and Havoc as a tag team way more than I buy Rosemary and Jessica. Yeah, and the, the story is- seems to be sort of tolerating Jessica in her attempts to get Havoc back. The story in this match is definitely this tag match was definitely a more aligned tag team versus a kind of uh, default tag team. I don't I don't know that that's necessarily true either, because Kylan King showed up and almost immediately aligned with Taylor Wilde, which I'm actually a little disappointed that she doesn't do more of the the tarot witchy stuff like they'll do video packages and vignettes with it but like in terms of even like entrances or like gear or anything she's still just kylan king yeah no so, i meant yeah by default i meant death dolls really because oh, I, okay <laughs> yeah, all right then, then yes i agree <laughs> yeah because i actually uh you know visibly and as portrayed in this match i feel like the coven were much more on the same page i feel like with those absolutely right rosemary's characterization here is is biding time to get her actual partner back yeah and now she's down two partners (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, it, 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 I I know that we have essentially in real life lost Taya to AEW for the foreseeable future. I wonder, I don't know. When it comes to Taya and Impact, I feel like, yeah, just just wait. <laughs> Give it, she'll be back again. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, that's always my assumption. There's only one person who has successfully escaped the undead realm, and it was Madison Rain, you know, when she got signed again. <laughs> and she has ostensibly, well, she has assigned to AW, but she, but she has like backstage roles. Yeah, but they do. Uh, I mean, they've done storylines where they go rescue people, but in terms of like escaping of your own accord, it was Madison Rain. Um, they they banished her to the undead realm, much like Taya, and then she was gone because she. I don't remember where she was. Was she with WWE for a while or just whatever? But when she got signed again, her character escaped and she's back. Like they didn't forget about that plot point. <laughs> Okay, one more uh, quote-unquote women's match on the show. It was a hardcore war. It, like war games without a cage, I guess. War games without a cage or a second ring. Or a second ring. It was used to, like, whatever we can think of to throw into this because both these guys have hardcore backgrounds and we're going to have lots of chairs and tables and ladders and I don't know. I mean, well, it used to be uh, Lethal Lockdown. It was war games without a second cage, without a second ring but there was a cage now they don't even have that yeah they're like we don't be bothered with the cage just just let them go we already built this big x thing we don't want to build another thing <laughs> we're like we have one infrastructure per like per show okay yeah. got a pick Poor ring crews you know there's only so much they can do <laughs> so it's team bully ray versus team tommy dreamer yes i got tricked into watching a bully ray match in 2023 they got me <laughs> I do appreciate this was team warfare because the last one was just Bully Ray versus Tommy Dreamer. And I'm like, it's 2023. We do not care. So at least they're like team captains and they can kind of help get some other people over. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, you know, uh, what is it? Which is what you should be doing at that stage in your career. Like no one, no one's here to see you specifically. You're here to like help get the next generation over. And yet the finishes just the two of them and now that's true and i can't well, yeah. remember like anybody else in the match really doing anything i don't know maybe it was different on the stream live in the arena i felt like we were just watching the clock and like nothing really i, I no big moments really stick out to me well, i mean masha did that like top rope cannonball chair thing yeah that was pretty wow. cool that was nuts. Killer Kelly came with a staple gun and stapled Moose in the junk. Everyone, yeah, including Moose in the junk. Um, they did, I don't remember what it was. It might have been a, an AA or just like a, a Death Valley oh, Kelly, driver. Yeah, Kelly something. hit a Death Valley driver yes. too much the chair. on the chair. Yeah. Chair. Yeah, that, that was, was nuts. That, that was sick. That was really good. Um, All the spots that featured uh, Kelly and, and Masha doing anything, like, like doing anything really were like worthwhile. Um, and and I, I, I'm a broken record on this, but I will say it again. If you have factions, it doesn't make sense to not have women involved in your factions in a promotion, because if the idea is like, we want supremacy over all, then we you have to have a woman involved if there are women's championships to be won. Um, this didn't have much to do with titles. This was a grudge match, but I still appreciated that there were women involved in this match because and it also calls to the very real life scenario of women being trained largely by men in wrestling and having like mentors who are men and having affiliations with them because of this. So I, I liked, I liked all of that. 
I like the fact that Masha and Kelly were literally were even just in this match. And if you're going to pick two knockouts to be in a hardcore match, those are the two. Like, they fit perfectly. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we're talking about the current GCW champion. Like, Masha knows her way around a hardcore match. Um, so yeah, uh, there was a, some degree of crossover, but I was kind of disappointed that for them, I'm going to say like 80 to 90 percent of Masha and Kelly's stuff were just to each other. Yeah, there there were crossover points here and there. The one the one of the beats that I didn't love so much was um, the damsel in distress bit with Kelly. Yeah, we yeah. cornered up and like, I don't know where the rest of her teammates were, but like. I guess incapacitated in one way or another, but I, Dreamer had to come out and like say essentially save her, which is not is not something I am opposed to in other um, in other stories and other wrestling um, in other match styles, but in this type of match, I'm like that doesn't that doesn't feel right. Especially since it, they set it up with Kelly's all by herself in the middle of the ring, and like the entire other team has now have her surrounded. And to her credit, Kelly is like not backing down. She's like, you know, bring it on, I'll fuck you all up. Um, and I'm like, oh shit, like here we fucking go. Like it's about to be a fucking brawl. Like, you know, the numbers game, et cetera, et cetera. And then they just don't. Then they just grab her by the arms and hold her there for like a minute and a half while we wait for the clock to count down. For an excuse. They didn't even do anything. Like, it's one thing if they they just kept holding her. That's the bully ray formula, right? It's like take something and just like drag it out and stretch it out way longer than it needs to be the chain we're gonna do it and like it's like just fucking do it like but clearly they're dragging out for the clock and it's just like oh my god like okay then give me a minute of you guys kicking the absolute living shit out of her then like that's what i'm saying like it's clearly gonna be like just this she's fighting valiantly but the numbers game and they just beat the fuck out of her and then they just don't drive drove me a little insane with that spot because it did it did kind of like not only is it like oh she's in distress and dreamer has to come out but like also we had to wait like a an excruciating portion of time for this to like culminate in anything. I just yeah. awkwardly timed. I think if they had pushed it by like a minute or two, we might have been able to maybe not get away with it, but it wouldn't have been as egregious. Yeah, I I think this match. I, I'm probably the only person who. Uh, I'm maybe not the only person, but I, I'm probably one of the, the few people who. I don't. I when a match like this, I kind of. I think the timing kind of hurts it. When it comes to like waiting for people to make their entrances, I get it's those like survival style. It's good. It's good, like you know, but I I think when you're doing a, pure, a purely hardcore match like this, it hurts whenever you have to like hold a spot or wait to do a spot because some guy has to make an entrance. Yeah. Specifically in a hardcore style, because I just I think so much of what makes hardcore wrestling work is the momentum of the match itself. Like seeing these escalating crazy things happening and just getting swept up by like, oh my god, what's next? What's next? The minute you have a, t- a moment where like someone essentially has to have a rest hold, it it derails things a bit. Yeah, the momentum comes to a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah, because that's essentially what this was. It was a rest hold. They were holding her in place for a minute. Yep. While making sure to point her towards hard cam. Yes. And meanwhile, like no one's doing anything except for holding. Like there's no team yep. members on the side like trying to get back in. There's nothing there yeah, it's no. just, it was pretty awkward. And uh, and unfortunately so, I'm pretty bad at yeah. So even that would have been something if the rest of the team was like trying to save her and the rest of the heel team was like holding the ring and like, you know, keeping them out. Even that would have been something, even if Moose and whoever else was holding her weren't actually doing anything. But that way there would have been something. Instead, there's like seven or eight people all just sort of waiting. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and unfortunately, I'm remembering that and not the big, the other big spots that happened. It's like, yeah. I'm remembering this kind of awkward moment. And it was happening towards a very, like, pivotal part of the match when Dreamer was the going to be the last person to enter. It's just, yeah. yeah, unfortunately timed. I'm guessing that, like, something happened. Maybe a spot happened a little faster than it, than it should have. And, like, that's why we ended up with a little bit of, like, extra time to kill, essentially. But I wish they had filled it with just, you know, okay, we're going to. We're going to beat her up. It was a hardcore war, so it wasn't like a lot of wrestling action as it is. There's a lot of weapons and things like that. But that's part of the reason I didn't care for this one at all is because it felt like the only time the women got to do any real offense against the men was Kelly with a staple gun. Uh, I think Masha hit a low blow on Kazarian later on. Stuff like that, like quote-unquote comedy bits, you know, like... The women get the women can do offense if it's like around the guy's junk, but like Masha's not dropping Yuya with a snowplow or anything like that. Kelly slapped her uh, her finisher on someone before Masha came in and hit her with a snowplow. Yeah, she got somebody. Who did she get? Like it. Yeah. Maybe Brian Myers. Maybe. No. Maybe. But yeah, but like that was that was really the extent of it that didn't involve, you know, look at them. She kicked him in the balls. Like, yeah, the only action swing offense. Well, also, my bar, though, for any bully Ray involved thing is so low, like there's going to be balls involved. Yeah. Like, I wasn't excited for this match really at all. And um, having Kelly and Masha involved made me maybe watch it because I I that was the only reason. I watched it. Yeah. So like I I mean there you go guys impact it works put women in your in your matches regardless and I will you've got you've got an instant viewer in me. Yeah that's true because I love Kenny King and I like Kazarian but I wouldn't have watched this match otherwise oh, I, I skipped like the first ten minutes I went to the washroom and checked up the merch and then when I had a sense that Kelly was coming out I made my way back to my seat. Did you get back <laughs> to King enter with a trash can lid on his head because that was fun. Yeah that was fun I love Kenny he's the best. <laughs> Kenny King gets to do, like, whatever he wants to do in Impact, essentially. Like, if he wants to play, like, if he wants to be, like, real legit wrestler, he gets to do that. If he wants to play garbage wrestler, he can do that. He can do whatever he wants, and that's that's a good place for Kenny King to be in. My final takeaway coming after all of this is, okay, we got a new champ, Diana Perrazzo, but now what? Like, maybe who challenges yeah, who- her? That's a very good question, especially since if if the rumor mill is to be believed, uh, Jordan Grace might be a free agent either now or in the very near future. Um, so, yeah, who who steps up? Maybe Mickey James if she gets healed. Um, beyond that, I don't really know. Yeah, I checked yeah. my stats, and Gianna has the best record in 2023. She's five and one. Outside of her, it's like Jordan, Masha, and Taylor Wilde are all two and two in singles matches. Giselle Shaw is two and four, and that's it. Nobody else has won two matches this year. As much as I love uh, Masha, it, I mean, she's 0 and 3 on knockouts titles. You have to build her back up before you give her that's another the thing. shot. It seems way too quick. But if Deanna's a babyface and Tasha Steeles is back as a babyface too, True. who are the heels? I would say, I would say maybe Giselle. Just because, one, she's a heel, and if Deona is a face, that's obviously the natural. Um, and they've got a storyline going already, so now it's for the title. Like that That's kind of what I would do, if only to buy time to build someone else up. Yeah, until that could be the Impact Plus 
match yeah, maybe that, even that or TV me. match. That would not surprise me if there's like a little short program with Giselle. While and we're Giselle up. has Savannah and Jay Vidal in her corner, right? Yeah. So, that, so now like, it's that would really help further Deanna's, Deanna's baby face now. Look, she's got the odds stacked against her. If I had to pick, I'm guessing that's what happens. We'll find out. Otherwise, that's like... Because the women who are in the tag picture are pretty much just in the tag picture. They're not really doing yeah. double duty. Tag division. Yeah. yeah. And it's a two-team tag division. Who else do you put in there? If the Coven don't have another match against Death Dolls, who they defend against? Yeah, that's a good point, too. Bring in that. I love the Narcos division, but if, when I look at it on paper like this, I'm like, it feels thin. Yeah, they need to do start building some tag teams. Jody Threat is here, but she True. seems to be a baby face too. Um, she definitely is, but like you might pair her with someone. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, her, and Masha, with her, her and Masha makes sense. Her and Masha makes sense if one of them changes alignment. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's like, unfortunately like, is like, very much a heel in impact, and Jody is not. So like, yeah, but uh, Jody's Jody's new, so I mean, yeah. I mean they might do that, and honestly, that might be a good way to help build up Masha is because like like I said, she's 0 and 3 in in singles titles matches. You got to do something with her, otherwise, no one's gonna buy her as a credible threat the next time she challenges. So maybe making her a former Knockouts Tag Champ or current Knockouts Tag Champ will help her credentials when she makes her next Knockouts Titles challenge. And it seems like the Hex was just a just a quick they, drop in, a pop in and go. They're not here to stay. They they seem, you know, good for them. They seem to be with uh, NWA. I mean, if the chat clears, good for them. I mean, make make your money, ladies. Make your money. Yeah. It all spends but, the same. But I yeah, it seemed like a one-off in impact. Yeah, I just want like I just want like wish versus which. Although, maybe you can reach a short-term deal with them. Maybe you do bring in the hex, and maybe we do have witchcraft warfare. Like that'd be a <laughs> that would be a perfect if again if only to buy some time while we build up some tag teams. That would be a great program. The Coven and the Hex. The Hex were brought in by James Mitchell, right, to try to go after Death Dolls. So I don't know. Uh, I say witchcraft do a three way. Which 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 witchcraft warfare? Which versus which versus <laughs> demons? Is Rosemary a demon? Uh yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rosemary is essentially like Venom. That's why yeah. he calls herself that's, we. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to put it. It's it's one person, but it's two entities, and like you don't you don't call her they, but she calls herself we. It's very tricky. <laughs> but when she gets together with Jessica, all of a sudden she's like Marceline from Adventure Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Technology. All right. Well, it's interesting to see where things go from here. We lost Taya, but we gained Jody Threat. We lost Mickey now, so there's space to maybe pick up at somebody else. Add some more, inject some more new blood into the roster. Ooh-hoo, 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 ooh-hoo. That's our show. 
thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Grit Glitter Pod. I got a couple of blurry Mo8 iPhone photos up on the Instagram. Enjoy. <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at Yuriko Hart. You can find me on Twitter at ForkedPGH. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Mayday86, M-A-Y-Y-D-A-Y-Y-86. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gritglitterpod. You get a weekly newsletter written by us, your friends. You get at the $5 a month tier bonus podcast, old episodes of Grit and Glitter from season one, season two, oh, uh, bonus podcasts of our series, Women's Wrestling Entertainment. We're going to be recording episode 11 in the near future, which looks at the year 1993, including Luna Vachon versus Sherry Martel in WWF. Lots of cat fights. Lots of uh, Bobby Heenan. Good stuff. Yeah, good at, at good as in entertaining. All right, people. And next week on the show, it's I, I think it's going to be a new tradition. Honestly, I think it's going to be a new annual tradition. I have high hopes for this one. We're calling it the 2023 Women's Wrestling Draft. <laughs>